okay, ladies, we need you on the front lines. Can you imagine getting called up to the front lines at the beginning of the COVID pandemic? Hi, I'm Heather Fowler, and I am host of Graceful Stories, Living and Learning That God's Got This. Today, we will hear the graceful story of two nurses who courageously took the call to help during this crazy time in the hospitals in the front lines of this pandemic. If you or someone you know has been hospitalized during COVID, keep listening. You will find hope in this story. So where did this story come from? A few years ago, I wrote a book called The Warrior. Through it, people started telling me their experiences of courage and how God got them through challenging times. These are their stories. Well, I am very excited that you both decided to join us. There has only been one other time when there were three people in my fancy fancy podcast studio in my closet. And so it's kind of fun having a very small grouping of people. So today we have Ashley and Julie, and they are both nurses that were called up to help with this whole pandemic, they went up twice. So you all have both been uh, clinic nurses Mm -hmm. for a while, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And both of you in March were called up for the first time? Like the end of March, yeah. Okay, so you were both called up at the beginning of all of this to kind of support the hospitals Mm -hmm. And you may or may not have been in contact. You didn't know really going yeah. into it what you were really going to get into. And so this is a little bit different for our podcast, but I was really excited because I think this is so timely. I really wanted to get nurses in here to talk about the pandemic and talk about their experience in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julie, I have just met, but I've known Ashley and adopted her as one of my daughters. <laughs> and I remember I didn't see you for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. months. Yeah. But, you know, and then I got to see you in the summer and then you were asked to come back to the hospital yeah. when the numbers went crazy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't get to see Ashley again. <laughs> I know. That's right. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's for sure. So this is a double <laughs> celebration. I get yeah. to see you and I get right. to hear about your experiences. So... I am going to open the floor, and I don't know who would like to talk. I know it'll just kind of happen, but I would love for you all to tell your story of going back to the... Now, you all had a term for it. You all call it being deployed, Yeah. which struck me because that's just like being deployed into the army and we keep you know you yeah. hear about being mm-hmm. deployed to the front lines and you hear that in the hospital in the news and everything but truly that's what you all were called yep. to do yep. so the tell me about battlefield. that battlefield yeah <laughs> truly that's what it was um well um i think that uh for me you know it you know we kind of when this pandemic started i know when it first I heard, first heard the ro- the words corona or covid I was kind of like well you know we'll see what happens I didn't expect it to blow up into a pandemic <laughs> and the first time you heard about it were you and I out of town together 
You know, I heard was it a little about it just before we went out of town. Okay. And then I was like, okay, we'll kind of watch things, you know, because I had some friends be concerned, like, hey, you're leaving. This might become a thing. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll just we'll we'll go with the flow, you know. So then it, of course, while we were gone out of town, it We were became, gone for a couple weeks. Yeah. And <laughs> in that time, the whole world in the United States changed, or all over the world it changed, but in the U.S. it had really hit. Um, so then um, had to come back and get used to reacclimate to my clinic job. Which was very well. First of all, get reacclimated to yeah. Albuquerque time. <laughs> right. I remember, right? Because we were halfway across the world. Yeah. We're not supposed to say where because it's in a, a right. sensitive area. But we were halfway around the world. Yeah. And so first, we were getting up at like three a.m. every day, thinking, "Let's start the day." Right. And then <laughs> I couldn't find toilet paper at the store, and <laughs> I wished I had taken up people that offered to get me toilet paper on that because I thought. I'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be cool. How bad could whatever. It be? And then I go to the store. I'm like, really? There's no toilet paper. <laughs> there is really <laughs> not that paper. I didn't believe them, but it's mm. like, whoa! I, I thought it'd yeah. be restocked by the time I went. You know, yeah. so so you <laughs> got acclimated. You were having to get acclimated back to Albuquerque time from mm-hmm. halfway across the world time. You were having to then get reacclimated to going back to work pretty quickly after we got back, right? Yes. Uh huh. And then. that actually, yeah, and that actually for, yeah, the 14 days I was at work, but I was quarantined in a separate room just because mm-hmm. I had been out of the country, uh, which I understood, but it was kind of difficult because, you it know, was bad. it just <laughs> was like a closet like this with no windows where I'm doing my work at work and I'm And going, you're doing it for hours every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that'd be hard. You know, if I were at home working at home, which we can do in that in our clinic job if needed, I could see out the window at least. Right. You know, so it was, you know, it was just tough because, like you said, we're readjusting to a new normal, so to speak. Um, And I didn't even know what my job would look like in the clinic even like because it was like, okay, I've got to do this quarantine. We'll do it. Um, and get through that but then now what like healthcare's changed a whole lot you know right. and, and so it really did. so yeah. then you were asked if you would consider going back to what do you all call it do you call it going back to the bedside go back to the hospital mm. bedside, bedside nursing, bedside nursing. Yeah. okay mm-hmm. and you knew what you were getting into this was this was going to be I mean, you knew and you didn't know. You yeah. Know? I mean, there was so much. Yeah. Because at first when they, it was like we had this big old meeting with our management and the hospital management people or the clinical education people. And they were like, if we need you guys, we want to have you ready if you're willing to consider going back to the hospital. So we had done like all these kind of online courses and stuff to get ready, and we're thinking, oh, it'll be okay. It it may not reach that. How we'll, bad could we'll it see, get? You know. <laughs> and then probably a few days after all that, they're like, "We need you. There's no option. Like you have to come." <laughs> so, and it I was like, "Would you consider was, to?" Uh, here it is. A, yeah, we were told. Yeah, we did. We we're like, 
they're like, you, we need you. So, so Ashley, you had been away from bedside for four and a half years. Yeah, roughly. Mm-hmm. And Julie, you had been apart for two about years. A year. You're about a year. About a year. Okay, so you were a little bit more used to going back into bedside. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between? And and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but what's clinic versus bedside? What's is there a major difference? Yeah, um, the clinic is more like normal work hours usually. Mm-hmm. Um, we did work four nines before, but now we work five eight-hour days. So you usually have your evenings, your weekends, and a lot like of Like a regular most of job. Holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so um, not only were you going to the front lines of COVID, mm-hmm. but you were going to Long longer hours. days yeah. that you couldn't really control. Yeah. Lots of un. <clears throat> Yeah, they say 12 hours, but it's more like 13 or 14. Well, when you get, you know, because don't you all have to talk to the, the nurses from mm-hmm. the previous shift and, yep, and see the people? And... They would call you at, well, they were supposed to call you around 5. It could be 4.30. So we would already morning. be awake texting each other because we would be They saying, tell you where you're going. Where we're going to go. <laughs> like, oh, wow. So we would already have anxiety. Because mm-hmm. you had no idea where you are going to go for the day. So mm-hmm. what department? What department you're going to be in. So... That would be really tough. I mean, I'm thinking you might go to the cardiac floor where you have to know cardiac stuff. But we're comfortable with that. Well, that's true because both of you were clinic right? cardiac. So we were comfortable with that. It's everywhere else. But then they might have you go with the babies. No, no we did. We stuck with adults, thankfully, at least. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. But (laughs) you could have to go to areas that you Mm -hmm. didn't really know we don't know why we're going and what you're what part of the building where you know who to talk to where to meet it was just something yeah new every day okay so you're there yeah and you have your your first day what was your first day like we were together you were yeah (laughs) so that makes it we were united and Mm, we were support each other support each other so it was not as scary Mm -hmm. yeah and I remember, like, my first shift, the first deployment in the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was just, like, really stressed. I mean, I was having a hard time managing my stress probably that first time around anyway. But it did help having Julie and Chris, our other coworker, of course. Um, but it just, because it was not our cardiac patients. Um, and these people that were, because we cared for a lot of patients that weren't, or we didn't know if they were COVID, but they were there for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were so sick because everybody's been afraid to go to the hospital right, with true. the pandemic. And it's just like, man, these patients are borderline, borderline ICU, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And here I am four and a half years out of bedside trying to manage this. You know, granted, I did have support, Julie, and, you know, and I knew resources to seek out if a patient was declining and stuff, but it was just so overwhelming. Like, and then also getting used to wearing, I mean, we're already wearing masks, but in the clinic, when you're in your own QB, you can take it off. What's for, a QB? Like a cubicle. Okay. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm uh, to ask the question. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you get a little breaks here and there. I mean, not that we run around with it off and stuff, but like on the floor, you have no break. That thing stays on. And sometimes you're wearing a respirator depending on the situation. So a lot of headaches, Mm. And just getting used to that 
you know, having to hydrate more or try to, which you don't have time. You don't, don't get to hydrate. <laughs> you, know. you don't get to eat. You don't get and to go. That's true because, I mean, you'd have because... to take your mask off to eat or drink and right. you don't get to do that. And it's yeah. too busy because they're so it's, sick. And you pretty we're much eat trying on the to go keep up or with whatever. the meds. Mm-hmm. And she fed me a lot. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I you... promised you all that I would ask the tough questions. Mm-hmm. And um, one question is coming to my mind. And because I know another story I'm going to ask Ashley about in just a second. So I'm going to gear this question toward Julie. Me included, there were a lot of people in the March, April time frame that just really didn't know what was what this COVID thing was all about. And there was a lot of information, right and wrong, that was being filtered all over everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and frankly as a medical community, we've learned a lot more now than we did then. But how difficult was it in that time to tell people this really is a real thing and it really is worse than the flu and please help us help you. I mean, how was, how, what was that like back then in the early Um, days? I think as a community, more of us get it now. Yeah. But back then in March and April, we, I, I'm raising my hand in my closet. I didn't get it. <laughs> right. You know, and so. I'm not sure that I did. Mm. You know, because they said it's a flu. I didn't understand when they called it a, I can't think of the word. Mm. Um, it was a new virus. Mm-hmm. We didn't know anything. Novel of, virus. Novel, yeah. That's the word. Mm-hmm. It was a novel virus. I didn't know what that meant. And virus to me means flu. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't realize the rapidness, the the severity of it. Um, How quickly so, in did you learn the severity of it? Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, you were seeing numbers just go every day. And, and you're one of them that look on the site to see what are our numbers today. Look at New York. Look mm-hmm. at the nurses and the, the doctors. And so the fear of that coming here because people weren't taking it serious. Mm-hmm. You go to the grocery stores, you go, you know, they're angry when they can't come in there with their family right. and you get it because yeah. my mom is in there. I don't want her alone. She's scared. She's alone. Right. And I, and, or if that was my dad, I would be and they're scared. They're angry and they don't have anybody else to take it out on. But us. Too. <laughs> so we have to yeah. say, Hey, you know, we don't know enough about this and we're trying to protect you mm-hmm. and your other family and to and try to educate them as best that we knew how to was to bring them comfort and peace. And if it's an iPad or if it's a telephone call, you know, we had to quickly learn how to nurse differently. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that's a different way of nursing than any time before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we're going to go over to Ashley. So, Ashley, you told me a story before we got started about... I asked both of you if there was a moment that really stuck with you. Mm -hmm. And you told a story about an older woman. Older Mm -hmm. woman. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, tell us that story. Okay. So, it was one of my first few shifts um, in the first uh, redeployment. And uh, I had this patient that, you know... I was concerned about right away in the beginning of the shift because she was um, elderly and much, you know, older, but she was very sick and declining pretty rapidly. 
Um, and it had been decided that she would be on hospice care, or that was the direction it was going, but we didn't really have those orders yet from the doctor. Um, and so this woman, I'm seeing her going, you know, she's, I don't think she has much more time left. And so um, I'm having to kind of coordinate, because we do rounds with our doctors about 9.30 or so every morning on the floors. And, um, you know, I reached out to the doctor right away because I'm like, you know, she's struggling to breathe. I need some medication to help make her more comfortable, you know, because that's part of our job as nurses is to advocate for the patients and that, you know, you kind of learn that as you... And this was a whole different form of advocating. Yeah, yeah, it was. So that would, you know, I was like, okay, we need some meds for her. She's not comfortable. Um, she was not a COVID patient, but she was having Still a having hard trouble time. Breathing. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the worst thing you can see in a patient, I feel like, one of the worst things. Um, and so, you know, I got the, we got the orders for that. And then she had family that I believe was in town. Um, but due to the pan, you know, like Julie was saying, we didn't know enough about it. And so it was very strict, like the hospitals locked down to any people coming in from outside, unless you work there. Um, and so her, I remember the palliative care team, which is like the hospice, they have their own nurses and stuff. The nurse had reached out to me and said, you know, we're going to have to have the iPad available for her family to see her, you know? And so really my concern too, was making her comfortable before they had to see her the way Struggle. I saw her. Yeah, exactly. Cause I was like, I would not want my loved one to see them that way, you know? Yeah. So you know, that was my first experience with um, how real this all was and how it's changed our the way we provide care because, you know, I'm like, normally you call the family in and, yeah, you might have to say two people in at a time just to give room for us to work and whatnot, but you all can be here in the waiting room or whatever. Um, but this was like, you can only see her on the iPad. So, you know, at least we had that. At the same time, it was heartbreaking because we support keeping people safe in this pandemic, but at the same time, we're human too, and I would just be heartbroken if I could wow. not be there and hold my mom or my grandma's hand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I lost my mom a couple, a few years back, and just to not be there in the room with her, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine because that's such a part of grief, I think, seeing it and, you know, Coming it takes to time to process, but it the closure. So I just really feel for people that have had to be in that situation, whether their loved one passed from COVID or anything during this time where we couldn't have visitors in. How tricky. How um, sad that was. You know, and just, you know, not being able to be there and hold their hand and just talk to them, say those last words they want to say. Um, so, I mean, the family did I mean, for the circumstances, her family did a great job, I thought, with just telling her they loved her and just being, trying to be present the best as they much could. As you could. And I just was like, trying not to cry in the room holding the iPad because I'm like, I can't imagine this. This is, you know, not the so way hard. it should be, but I understand why it is. But so you know. let me ask you this you also, so both of you went up to support the hospital with whatever needed yeah. supporting. Yes. And, but Ashley, you spent a little bit of time on the COVID floor. Yeah. So tell us what that was like. 
Um, so that shift uh, is one I'll never forget, I feel like. Um, I actually was put on standby that day because they weren't sure if they needed me to work that day is basically what that means, but you're on call for the whole shift. And I think, I think Julie was supposed to work that day too, but she was put on standby too. Well, about eight or nine o'clock, they call me. Or actually, it was eight o'clock because standby never works out for me. <laughs> like, I get comfortable, and then two hours, an hour, they're like ring a ling. So maybe one time or maybe twice during all this, it was, you know. That you actually had the day off. <laughs> yeah. Not this day. Yeah. So they call and they're like, uh, they need some support on the COVID unit. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, you know, it, it had been the first time that I would experience the actual COVID unit. Um, and so I went in and it, I remember being pretty nervous, not really, I mean, of course I don't want to get it or spread it to someone naturally, but like I'm a nurse. And so I go to work prepared to walk into whatever, you whatever. Need to. Yeah. But I remember being nervous because I was like, this is a whole other process and I don't know so you get there and they have you change into different scrubs okay. you know and then before you go into the containment room area or unit it's like blocked off by this white wall that they have with a door in and a door out basically and so they have um this and there's people there to help you too but they have this um pictures on the wall and everything of how to put on all the gear Okay. And so you start with step one and work your way through. And so just putting on the outfit to get <laughs> yeah. in to help yeah. took a while. Yeah, and I was like nervous because I'm like, well, I surely I won't. Because I've put on isolation gear before, but it was different with yeah. this. A lot more gear than what we typically would have to wear. And so I'm like, okay, the gloves are on, the gown, another set of gloves, you know, and then you do your mask and shield kind of the last few steps. But I remember just being kind of shaken as I was doing the steps because I'm like, this is like I'm going in, you know. Going into work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I finally got through all that. And then they're like, okay, come in here. Here's the locker room. You can put your stuff in here. Um, the break room's here. And they had um, tons of people had donated snacks and food. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of sweet to see, like, people supporting these nurses who had been and providers who had been at this for a while, you know a few weeks before I came into it. Um, and so they're like, now if you come out, you have to go through this other process to degown and they call it donning and doffing. So donning is okay. when you put on all the gear doffing and then off. doffing's off, you know? So, gotcha. but anyway, I'm all geared up. I got my stuff all put away and I go in and pretty much I'm just there supporting the nurses. I didn't have my own patient assignment. Um, but I just remember like, you know, at first I'm like, okay, I'm in, you know, I'm answering call lights, just helping people, whatever. Uh, one nurse had two patients crashing at the same time that were, you know, she had called ICU support because they were looking like they'd have to move to get put on a ventilator. Um, and I was shocked at how fast they declined because like they, I mean, everybody was pretty sick on that floor, but it just seemed like they could be doing fine, good saturation. Not great because they're there, but like not, you know, they're not ICU level, but they're hanging in. But just how quickly those two patients were all of a sudden on. A and are we talking 90-year-olds or? Uh, these are mostly 50 and 60-year-olds, That yeah. some even in their 40s that, you know, I saw. And 
very young. Um, and so that one nurse had to move two of her patients. Um, and so I was running to the med room, grabbing meds for her to help them support their breathing mm -hmm. um, and meds to help it not be as hard, you know. And so I was helping her a lot with that. Um, and just going into the rooms, helping patients with stuff. Some of them looked like they were on the other side recovering well, and some were just, they looked so sick, you could tell. Um, and just, um, just the, it was really humbling because like, it's like, I know COVID's going on and all that, but I'm in, I'm in it right here, you know, right. seeing, you know, this, the toll it's taking on people. And these people are alone and they can't breathe, you know. That's terrifying. Like it, I couldn't imagine how scared they must have been. Um, and they have this mystery illness that nobody yeah. yet really knows a lot about. Yeah, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they don't know, am I going to make it out of here, right. you know. And right. so, um, and then also all of that gear on for 12, 13 hours, 14 hours. Um, probably after lunch, I started to feel like I'm claustrophobic. Like, I'm not claustrophobic normally. But it felt <laughs> But I was like, I need to get this stuff off. How can I wear this any longer? And this is yeah. just one shift for me, you know? And I'm like, I just want to rip this mask off. I can't, because it's a respirator, not just a surgical mask. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pass out, I feel like. And I had a headache, and, mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff mm -hmm. like that from just dehydration, I think, from, you know, being, having that on and not a good oxygen flow, you know, that's crazy. And so, well, okay. So thank you. Mm -hmm. I would love to switch gears a little bit and I'm going to mm -hmm. go back over to you, Julie. Where did you see God in all of this? Um, <clears throat> in the beginning, I have to say I was saying where, you know, it, it was such a, um, so big something I've never experienced before now if you talk to my grandma oh this happened with the flu and, <laughs> and we wore masks and you know <clears throat> but just how things unraveled slowly you know mm -hmm. because we didn't know we were we were all so scared and you're worried about your aging parents mm -hmm. or your your right. friends so um but we've been protected you felt you protected know. I, I I don't think I've ever been really afraid of COVID. Now, if you speak to an ICU nurse, mm -hmm. if you get swabbed, there's a 44% chance false negative. Mm. Mm. So how many of our patients that we actually take care of could have had it because we took care of homeless people, right. people that, you know, yeah. so they could have pneumonia and we're taking care of them, but they tested negative. But a week later, they test positive. Right, and so right. they could so have had it. They could then. have had it, and we've been taking care of yeah. them. Yeah, in our training to, for redeployment in the beginning, in fact, there was a big old exposure, and, a, you know, our employee health called, you've been exposed, and, you know, and so I would imagine was... that you had to treat every one of those, um, those people mm -hmm. as if they had COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So, Ashley, where, was, where did you see God in all of this? Um, I think there's many many ways but I feel like he was faithful to sustain us um especially that first time around because you know like we kind of joked you know I struggled really bad in the first time because I we'd come back from our awesome time out of town um just readjusting to all this and just I felt 
depressed at times because mm -hmm. I was like, man, it's so isolating right now. And I understand why it has to be and everything, but it was just really, um, wow, what's going on? You know, kind yeah. of, kind of mm -hmm. just in shock, I think. Um, and I struggled with my attitude with work and, you know, Julie really helped keep me accountable. He, I believe he put us there together to, well, and that's, you know, that's one thing I'm going <laughs> to so, ask is we didn't it? get it. Yeah. And you didn't get it. Neither of you. Yeah. He it. protected he us. He protected yeah. us. I would say that didn't, too. We didn't. And just gave me, I mean, for us both, but especially for me being out longer from the bedside, the ability to do it. To just step in and do what needed and to be done. And keep people safe. Wisdom. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. God provides like, That was him because <laughs> on my own, it's like I would flounder. And like, How special you know? was it that you were sisters in Christ in the midst of this together? Oh, it makes it all was... the difference. Mm -hmm. We couldn't have. We talked in the morning at 4.30 in the morning to see when we were, where we were going. And <laughs> we know. talked till 10.30, 11 o'clock at night to tell how our day went. Mm -hmm. That was our way to decompress because the true. first time was PTSD. It was so it was one a other lot. one other question before we get into the advice section was was it different saying yes the second time mm -hmm. because the the mystery was gone a little bit mm -hmm. but the numbers were up so was it more difficult the second time or less difficult I think we both felt God wanted us there it wasn't even a question we both kind of said at the same time we're going back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it, he provided for us more security because we got to be mainly on the cardiac unit. The second more time, with the... our expertise mm -hmm. after going through that time where we were just all over, we're on created units where they don't even know how we're going to get supplies for that unit, you know, <laughs> and like just little details like that, you mm -hmm. know. It was nice to yeah. have a little more security and not get called at 4.30 in the morning because we knew we'd either work one of two units, not the whole yeah. hospital. But so. it gave us patience. He did. Because our floor was a pediatric floor and there was no supplies. <laughs> yeah. We walked sometimes fifteen to 17,000 steps a day. Wow. wow. It was a... <laughs> wow. Yeah. We, yeah. It was a lot on our feet. Mm -hmm. But you didn't really... You didn't, it you wasn't. You didn't know until you went home and got right, in bed. You're, you're like, just oh, so busy. You're like, <laughs> I am tired. I forgot task, about this. You know? yeah. Okay, so I want to move on to advice. And one of the things in advice that I always ask is positive and negative. What were things that people said to you all that were said in the right context they were trying to be supportive of you they were trying to help you as frontline workers and I'm going to broaden this to frontline workers to from COVID nurses to the firemen mm -hmm. to the policemen um, to grocery store workers what was it what were things that were said and I always go to the negative first so that we can go to the positive that were possibly meant in a helpful way, but maybe they didn't need to say. What should people not say to frontline workers? They shouldn't be scared of us when we go to the grocery store. Yeah, we're not. You don't have cooties? No, because mm -hmm. you know what? 
we're going to protect you as we would protect our own family. Mm -hmm. That is good. I didn't know where you were going to go. That mm -hmm. is not where I thought you'd go. That's good. Mm -hmm. So maybe love on them a little bit. You know, love on these frontline workers. So that would be my positive. So what what did people do for you in the since March that stood out that, oh, that was good. Thank you. I'm glad that person said that or did that. You mentioned people bringing snacks to the frontline workers. Yeah. The you know, but, I remember in the beginning um, something really touching that, and I think this was before we were deployed actually, but um, the fire department, the police, mm -hmm. they came around and drove through the circle of the hospital just with their lights on and everything just to tell us thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and that that was really touching. touching because it's like they have a hard job too and they're in it too, but they're recognizing us and appreciating us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really cool to see. Um, and just we had a lot of places like Dunkin' Donuts pulled up there. Here's free coffee and donuts, you know, just like different people in the community food providers mm -hmm. and all that like donating stuff to the hospital um people volunteering to make masks you know for people um there's a lot of good stuff so like, thank you, you is know. a good thing to say yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just yes. you know yeah appreciation goes a long way awesome <laughs> so i'm gonna ask a question i'm gonna ask i think two more questions so one question is and and I know you ladies, and I know you. this does, isn't even meant to be controversial at all, but what do you lovingly say? You guys are loving ladies. Mm -hmm. What do you lovingly say to someone who's still not sure this is real? I have family that still, you know, say things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, <clears throat> I, I, it's challenging because you want to, Yell and scream at him, and <laughs> yeah, you can't do yeah. that. So I just keep telling him, please believe in the science. Believe in you know. Take this serious. And science and God do not have to be mutually exclusive. Right, no. right. exactly. Science no. and God. God created science. Mm -hmm. So right. raw God, exactly. he he knows mm -hmm. what he's doing. He knows with what this. he's doing, and he's yeah. And we have to trust God sends things to teach us you know it's that old joke of you know god why didn't you save me when i was on the roof mm -hmm. you know i sent you two boats and a helicopter exactly. <laughs> and that's what i always try to just that's make a good it, point you try to make a joke out of it to lighten it up enough to where okay they'll get the picture so yeah. last question what do you say to family members who lost someone during COVID? Mm, I think that I would say, you know, I'm very sorry for your loss um, and that their life mattered, you know, and that we had the honor of trying to help them through that and that God has a plan in that, you know, and just maybe a way if they're open to it to kind of share him and his love. Because that loss is just such a final thing, no matter how it happens. And, you know, just loving on them, I think, being a support. So That's beautiful. But, That's beautiful. Anything else you want to add, Julie? No. That was it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Cha-ching, you did great. <laughs> awesome. Well, ladies, 
thank you for spending. You guys thank have you. both been working all day, and then you come here. <laughs> no and so I very much appreciate you all giving me a little bit of your evening. Thank and you. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you very <laughs> much. Be cool Thanks. to kind of share this with the public. Mm -hmm. <laughs>